0: Welcome to the Gospel of Grace Radio Broadcast, a Primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This weekly radio program is brought to you by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We now invite you to stay tuned for our message this morning.
1: Welcome, my listening friends to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. I am Joe Nettles and I'm pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church. Just a sweet, peaceful, believing little group found at 40283 Wolf Road in Caledonia, Mississippi. And I also welcome you on behalf of another precious group of believers, Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, located at 11 Staten Road in Ackerman, Mississippi. Right there on Highway 15, very easy to find. And her pastor is Elder David Wise, one of my best friends. It is our pleasure to bring you this broadcast every week. And we thank this radio station for allowing us this privilege. We want you to visit our website, gospel-of-grace.com. Archived messages, frequently asked questions, links, a church locator. Take advantage of it. Come see us. Visit us at our church houses We meet 10.30 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we also meet together off-site, if you will, at the La Quinta Inn Conference Room, 6 p.m. every Wednesday evening in Starkville, Mississippi. We also encourage you, if you want to learn more about Primitive Baptist doctrine, hear more preaching, singing, Bible reading, download the Grace Alone Radio app. It's 24 hours a day, seven days a week of sacred, wonderful, Primitive Baptist programming. And it is free for an Apple or an Android device. Just download it. Or if you don't have a smartphone, just go to your PC and go to gracealonradio.net and it'll live stream. We uh, love you and hope that you'll come and visit with us when you can. We hope that you'll pray for us in this ministry here on the radio and over the internet. And today we have uh, the sixth installment of the series that I call Fetching Rebecca. And after this sweet hymn, We'll be right back, Lord willing, with today's message. Thank you for staying tuned here with us at the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. Again, I'm Joe Nettles, and if you're a return listener, you know that we've been exploring the 24th chapter of Genesis, and that's the account of Abraham's servant journeying to find the bride for Isaac. And I hope you've been able to see some of the workings of the New Testament church of Jesus Christ folded into this narrative, Abraham's household being figurative of it. If you haven't been able to hear the previous messages, I encourage you to visit gospel-of-grace.com and catch up by listening to the archived messages. Now, continuing on, I would like to pick back up in verses 42 through 45 of Genesis chapter 24. And I came this day unto the well and said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, if now thou do prosper my way, which I go, behold, I stand by the well of water, and it shall come to pass that when the virgin cometh forth to draw water... And I say to her, Give me, I pray thee, a little water of thy pitcher to drink. And she said to me, Both drink thou, and I will also draw for thy camels. Let the same be the woman whom the Lord hath appointed out for my master's son. And before I had done speaking in mine heart, behold, Rebecca came forth with her pitcher on her shoulder, and she went down unto the well and drew water, and I said unto her, Let me drink, I pray thee. Here we see the servant simply recounting unto Laban and the rest of her kin his mission and how it began and what had miraculously transpired. Well, does that sound familiar? It should. That's how the gospel of Christ is spread, by giving witness to others of what Jesus Christ has done for us. The providential leading and revelation given to that faithful servant in that day pales in comparison with what a disciple of Jesus has to share. I love to have opportunity to share my experience with others. My story doesn't begin with anything that I was privy to, like the servant. He was there at the beginning of the process, speaking face-to-face with his master, Abraham. However, my story and mission began much, much sooner than that. You have to look back before the universe began to see my opening chapter, and such an exciting chapter it is, because you see listening friends our eternal self-existent Lord knew and loved me before there was ever a star ignited or a speck of dust formed. And how do I know this? Well, my father told me so. Look in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 6. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, notice that, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Again, notice 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 through 9. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Notice in Romans eight twenty-eight through 29. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Notice what he said there, for whom he did foreknow. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. I thank God, I have a hope that I'm one of those many brethren. In First Peter chapter 1, verse two, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. You see, my friends, that's my origin. Before the world began. My dear eternal heavenly father saw fit to love me and choose me out of a mass of humanity whom he knew would fall in Adam into condemnation and separation. And that and that when none of God's children even existed. He knew that. How then, you may wonder, did he do such for one who didn't even exist yet? Well, he did it because I was embraced in his immutable, unchangeable purpose, and his purpose could never fail. In other words, before we were, he purposed you and I to be because he is the great I am. His purpose being unfailing in my creation is astounding enough of a testimony, but I haven't yet gotten to the good stuff, his perfect loving salvation for me. That was also established and set in motion for me even before the world began by my being entrusted to the care of the eternal son of God. As you can see, a lot happened before the world ever began, right? As in any compelling account, there's also great shame and peril. Now you remember the fall to which I referred a little bit ago? That's where my terrors and shame actually began. Though that fall didn't occur until after the first man Adam was created, it was still way before we were born. All of Adam's posterity was polluted by that fall because he was our federal head. And that means that he had the power and the right to represent us even before we were born. Notice Romans 5, 12. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. That's not something you had to or got to choose. It was chosen for you in Adam. His fall meant that when I was conceived in my mother's womb, that I would be a sinner by nature, just as guilty as full-grown Adam was on that fateful day long ago. True, I didn't actually commit a sin till after I was born, but by then the damage had long been done. A sinner I was born, and as a sinner I lived. I could talk a good game. I could turn on the charm when I needed it. With my natural intellect, I was able to be what I needed to be to whom I needed to be it. Rotten to the core was my state of heart, only desiring that which made me feel good or look better to other rotten sinners like me. If I had to drink it, smoke it, or lie about it, I didn't have any hesitations. I truly was a ruined sinner, but didn't even know it. Just as a dead man in a graveyard doesn't know he's dead, so was I in my soul. The inspired psalmist David wrote about me in Psalms 10, verses four through six. Listen to this. The wicked, that's me in my original nature. The wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. His ways are always grievous. Thy judgments are far above out of his sight. As for all his enemies, he puffeth at them. He hath said in his heart, I shall not be moved for I shall never be in adversity. As David so aptly reported of me, I paid no mind to God, I had no notion in my heart that I was contrary to God, and consequently, I felt just right in this corrupt world. Sadly, that pitiful, stupid man that I was continued on, unfettered by any sense of righteousness until adulthood, but then a dreadful, yet at the same time, wonderful thing happened to me. After my marriage to the sweetest little Louisiana darling in the world, my wife, Laura, and following the birth of my beloved son, Royce, I started acting and thinking differently. I began to hate myself. That's right, a downright malicious hatred for who I found myself to be. I was unhappy, I was filled with dread, I was a mess. Mind you, this had nothing to do with my adoring wife, my perfect son, at least he was perfect in my eyes, or my well-paying job, you know, that was all just right. Yet I was so full of self-loathing and sadness. I was a sniveling emotional mess over what I had become. It wasn't until some time later, after I finally cracked the cover of the Bible collecting dust on the shelf, that I started to read about my experience. That's right. Again, I found myself exposed by ancient writers it's like they were reading my mail. This became acutely plain when I read Romans seven twenty-four. 24. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Now, Paul piqued my interest with that. I mean, it smacked me in the face that he and I felt alike. It was also in that seventh chapter that I read for I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, notice that, when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. You know, feeling lofty with life, then feeling like you're a vile sinner, resulting in feeling the darkness of death was exactly what had happened to me. This dude, I thought, gets it. He understands where I am, or at least he understood where I am. That then led me to wonder what, quote, the commandment was that brought all this about, to which Paul referred. If our experiences were truly the same, then the commandment may have been the cause for my sad state of mind. I needed to know what that cause was because it got to the point beer didn't help anymore. Money had lost all of its shine in my life. My dear Laura thought I was going Looney Tunes, and she just to be frank, she'd had a belly full of me. Truly, without a doubt, I needed saving from that situation. I tried to examine Paul's experience. Thankfully, the Bible contained all I needed to reveal to me about this commandment to which he referred in Romans 7. In his writings to the Galatian church, I found the answer. In Galatians chapter one, verses 15 through 17, he wrote, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood, neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. The change in Paul's demeanor and state from proud, murderous zealot to heartbroken, scaly-eyed servant started apparently on the road to Damascus. We know that from the account in Acts and, you know, obviously, Galatians chapter one, that's to what he refers, that road to Damascus experience. At least, you know, that much I'd absorbed from Elder Melvin Meyer's many, many sermons on grace when I was growing up even though at the time I just wanted him to hush. I just wanted macaroni and cheese. I wanted to be left alone. I didn't want any more preaching. But that road experience turned savage Saul into praising Paul. I remember that from Brother Melvin's messages and I knew essentially that's what had happened to me. Now that passage in Galatians shed light on what happened. Paul was called and Jesus was revealed in him. That's what it said. That is what he wrote. The context of the verses to Paul's experience, again, reveals that this calling and revelation occurred on the Damascus road. Also, very importantly, Paul wasn't looking for Jesus. Far from it. He was looking to imprison and kill Christ's followers. That's what he was seeking. Paul didn't find Jesus. Jesus found Paul. Well, I knew that my change in heart began long prior to ever picking up my Bible, and I had certainly not been meditating on Brother Melvin's old sermons, for example. So apparently, just like Paul, I was called directly by the Lord. I mean, obviously, there was no evangelist, Sunday school teacher, or even a well-meaning relative with Paul on that road that day. No one to beg him to give his heart to Jesus. Consequently, I knew that it wasn't preaching, that gave him the, quote, commandment. Was it the scriptures then? The more I learned about the lives of the Pharisees of whom Paul was, the more I saw that they were required to be very learned in the word of God, especially those who were under the tutelage of Gamaliel. He was a master of the law. Paul must have known most of the word of God in his mind even from early childhood. Yet that head knowledge never reached his heart until his experience with Christ on that road. Apparently, knowing scripture didn't cause the commandment to come. This all left me to conclude that the commandment came into Paul's heart when Christ put it there himself. Paul alluded to this truth, that every child of God gets born again when the Lord causes it by his spirit in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 3-4. I read, for as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshy tables of the heart. And such trust have we through Christ to Godward. And my friend, I'll tell you, if Christ's laws have been written on your heart, if you have been born again by the spirit of God today, The only thing we could say is the same thing the Apostle Paul did, and such trust have we through Christ to Godward. We would have never made a step toward God unless the Lord Jesus Christ had called us and revealed himself in us. At that point, when I understood that, it all started to flood, friends. Flood it did. My memories of sermons past, many coffee table conversations that I overheard, and Oh, the lyrics of all those precious hymns of Zion that for years in my childhood, I mindlessly sung. All my life, all the meaning of those verses and those words and those conversations all began to return to me as if it was all fresh and new. Though I had cared nothing about the meaning when I heard them, the truth of those memories washed over my soul and gave me joy and hope. Why? Well, because those saints all expressed what the Bible teaches, that salvation is of the Lord. I mean, even ancient Jonah knew that in the belly of a whale, but it was just then becoming real to Joe, to me. My story turned at that point. Oh, yes, there've been a lot of failures and errors along this way, but such a saving way it has been. It's been so precious, so wonderful. I learned some things, that my eternal salvation was purposed in the Lord before the world began. That though I had enjoyed my fill of sin as a fallen sinner all of my life, the reason that pleasure became like poison was because the Lord himself had captured my heart and that my belief in Christ as my only hope gave me an authoritative assurance of it. Believing it didn't make it happen, but rather revealed that it had happened for me and in me by his power and his alone. You know, the fact remains true that believing something never makes it to be. You only rightly believe in something because it is. So I believe in my salvation because the Lord saved me. That's the only way I could have the ability to believe it. The gospel may not have saved me from hell, but it sure saved me from ignorance, heartache, and a lot, a lot, I tell you, of gnawing doubts. Listening friends, that's my account of his miraculous working in my life. Now it's a very brief account, I assure you. I could talk your ear off about it and it would give me great pleasure to do so over coffee and cheese and crackers and fellowship. But that's my account in brief of his miracles that he did in my life. You know, I can't make you believe my account today, much less can I make you believe the truth of Jesus as a savior. The Lord must open your spiritual senses and touch your heart by his grace. I cannot extract the Holy Spirit from me and put it in a sack for you. Can't do that. No CT scan can see Jesus enthroned in my heart. There's no lab test that can detect, you know, regeneration markers in my system. Like you could pick up the markers for a blood clot or a heart attack. No, it's no such thing. In spite of all that though, it is real. Jesus saved me. Jesus yet saves me. And Jesus will bring me home by his grace. That is the most real thing in the universe to me. It is integral to my very being. It consumes my thoughts in a pleasant way. And it convicts me of my errors. I have absolutely zero regrets for confessing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. None. Is my experience anything like what you felt? History and the Bible testify that millions upon millions have experienced the same thing. That has to stand for something, right? What the Bible describes as the experience of the saints applies to me also. So not only do I hear the testimony of others, I read about it in the Word of God. It perfectly harmonizes. I don't know about you, but what I've just described sounds like a miracle to me. What about you? This world will ridicule and discount you for your trust in Jesus. But you know his salvation is real, don't you? Believing friend, you know it. You know it in your heart as well as you know the very breath in your lungs. Come to Jesus in devotion and service because at your lowest, that's when he came to you. He's made you his bride. He has sent servant after servant into this world, to declare that truth, bringing many into the household of faith of those who love him. Don't tarry, my friend, don't tarry anymore. Just believe in Christ and come home. Until I'm blessed to speak with you again on such worthy, noble, blessed subjects, may the Lord's grace bless you all.
0: If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist church in your community. To find a Primitive Baptist church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find further contact information, you can visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com. You can also find our program on iTunes under podcast entitled The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Radio Broadcast. If you listen and enjoy our program, we would love to hear from you. You may contact us by email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road on Highway 15 just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. We would love for you to come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We invite you to tune in again next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. Wonderful
2: the grace